All right. We're ready to go now. Hallelujah. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. He is good. Um, I want to I want to get started tonight with a, a topic. I titled it, Where's Your Focus? So look at somebody and say, where's your focus? Now look at them cross-eyed and say, where's your focus? That was kind of a joke, but... <laughs> Um, I want to I read a scripture out of Hebrews chapter 12 because tonight this might cross over into uh, a few areas of our life. It can, it can be applied in the realm of faith. It can be applied in the realm of love. Uh, it can be applied in the realm of keeping your joy and your peace in life. So this can really cover a lot of different areas in your life. Where's your focus? So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to start at verse 2. Before I do, I'm going to open up in prayer. Father, I thank you for the word tonight. I thank you, Lord, that your word always is, is setting us free. It, it gives us truth. It gives us light. The entrance of your word brings light and revelation into our situation. It breaks bondages because the, the truth sets us free. So I pray tonight that any area in our life where we need a greater revelation of this word, I pray, Father, that there will not be any hindrances or distractions to it, but there will be a light that comes into our spirit and into our mind and our understanding and that we grasp this word and we're able to run with it afterwards in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I want to read out of Hebrews chapter 12, but I'm going to read out of NLT because I, I liked this version tonight. Out of the NLT, verse 2. And it says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Now, you'll know that as the author and the finisher of our faith in most versions, or the author and the perfecter of our faith. Now, understand when it says perfecter or the finisher of our faith, you know, there has to, we think author, yes, he's the one that gives us that seed of faith in the very beginning when we get saved, right? He, we, we get that seed of faith. And, and we believe in Jesus Christ. He becomes our Savior. But then we're, we, we start on a journey. We start on a process of being molded by him, of being uh, discipled in, in a journey of understanding the word of God. He is the author and the finisher or the perfecter, which means there is a continuous molding process that we go through. That's what that means. Uh, he's perfecting us in this journey. So he says to keep our eyes where? on him yeah <laughs> on Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith <laughs> so if we have our eyes on him then we have our eyes on the one that started us and the one that's going to finish us the one that's going to mold us the one that's going to bring us through the one that's teaching us along the way because if we get our eyes off track or off the mark what happens anybody been on a bicycle and and then you, you you start looking where do you end up wherever you're looking right and and you end up yeah in the bushes so if you're if you're uh if your eyes are not set on the right place if they're not set in on the mark then we veer off and we end up in the wrong place. And we don't want to end up in the bushes with our walk in Christ. We want to end up where he, where he wants us to be. Uh, he's the perfecter, the one that finishes us. So we want to have our eyes on Christ. When we have our eyes on Christ, then we'll respond to him in the right way. If we don't, see, here's the trap of the enemy. When we get our eyes off of God, off of Jesus, then we start getting distracted by what people say or do or the things that they might uh, respond to us. And then all of a sudden, our reaction changes based on their reaction. 
And then we start walking in the flesh and instead of in the spirit. So if we keep our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith, then we'll be doing what we're supposed to be doing. And, and when I got an understanding of this in my life, and obviously we continue to walk, uh, walk this out all of our days. Like we're never done walking this out. But when I really truly got a, a, a good revelation of it, it gave me a lot of peace in my life. And it gave me a lot of uh, release because what happens if not, we try to, to gain control in areas that we don't have control in. We can't control everything in life. We can't control people. And the problem is when we try to control situations and people that are not our authority to control, but we try to control them or manipulate them or twist it or make it work out in our favor because we're stressed or have anxiety because we want that thing to work out for us, then we, we will develop a, a, a stress because, well, I, I need this person to do this. If this person doesn't do this, I'm not going to get that promotion. If they don't see this, I'm not going to get that thing. If they don't respond to me this way, then I'm I'm not going to forgive. So all of these things are based upon the responses of people. And if we get our eyes off of Christ, then we put them on people or on ourselves. It's either one or the other. We'll, we'll put them on the other person and say, well, what are you going to do? Because based on what you do is how I'm going to respond. You hear? We'll, we'll base our response on what they do rather than basing our response upon the word of God. Or we'll look at ourselves and say, but I and, and get that uh, victim mentality syndrome that, that, yeah, but I didn't get this, but poor me. And, and we'll feel sorry for ourselves that we didn't get what it is that we wanted. Or we, we don't have uh, maybe the same situation as someone else and we'll play the victimhood instead of keeping our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. See, this whole thing is a faith walk. Everything that I'm going to be talking about has to do with faith. And we'll get into it a little deeper. But right after that, it says, we keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne, is the NLT version. Uh, this, the other version that I have says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Sorry, I forgot the first part. Who for the joy of set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, you know, the, the road he traveled there at the last end of his, his uh, hours, we wouldn't look at that and call that a joyous road. But he wasn't looking at that road. What was he looking at? There was a moment, there was a moment in the garden, you know, and he was saying, Lord, if there's any way that this cup can pass, then let it be so. If there's any other way that this can be done, then let it be so. But when he knew that it, there wasn't, and he knew he had to walk this road, where were his eyes? All this time, where were his eyes? On, on his purpose, on what God had designed for him to do, his mission, his assignment. See, your assignment is attached to this very principle right here. Your assignment is attached to your eyes staying focused on the author and the finisher of your faith. Because if it's not, then you will get distracted from your purpose. And you'll get distracted by the things people say. What, did, what happened when Peter stepped in? And he, and he was trying to stop. Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. Quit. You know, quit talking like that, Jesus. Those are bad seeds. You're sowing bad seeds. And he said, get behind me, Satan. Right? Because that wasn't, that really, it was, he was set there to try to pull him off course. And Jesus said, no, get behind me, Satan. I'm not going to listen to that voice because the voice, the author and the finisher of my faith is my heavenly father who has given me the purpose. I only do what I see him do. I only say what I hear him say. I only operate where he tells me to operate. So as, as he, Jesus was looking at this, he said, I've got to keep my eyes 
on the purpose on the assignment of what he told me to do and it says enduring the cross and he he counted it all joy just like we're supposed to count trials as all joy well why does God say that he's not saying like be thankful that yes I get to go through this painful experience hallelujah no he's he's saying count it all joy my brethren because when you face trials of many kind this is what's going to perfect you this is what's going to mature you so you will lack nothing he's maturing us he's bringing us through the process so that we're not going to lack so that in the end we're going to be mature just like when we lift weights what do we do we get stronger right when we run we run so that we can grow in endurance we can run a longer distance well if we're never tried just like what I preached last week if we're never tried in anything we don't know what our strength is we don't know how far we can go we don't know if if can I make a mile? I don't know. Can I make five miles? I don't know. I've never even done a half a mile. Well, I probably can't make five miles then, right? So it's the trials and the test build an endurance so that we can build our strength. And then when we look at that, because I used to, I used to run five miles and, and I can't do that now nonstop. But I used to be able to, and I'd be like, yeah, I can do that. And I, I would get out there, and I would run five miles because I ran five days, six days a week. But the thing is, that only happened through endurance. So if I was faced with that, then I knew I could do it because I had already been practicing. But if God puts us through tests, if, if, if we face certain tests in our life and we go through those tests and it stretches us, it only stretches us to become stronger. If we, will, if we will trust God, just like Joseph did, instead of becoming a victim, instead of becoming a, somebody that was complaining and murmuring about Potiphar and, well, he never did understand me. Well, you know, he just, he just accused me and I'm always getting the bad end of the deal. I don't know why life is this way it's been like this ever since I was a kid I'm always getting thrown in the pit if he would have looked at it that way he would not have been ready to be second in command of a whole nation because a person with a victim mentality cannot be second in command of a whole nation and be able to handle the burden and the stress of it so we have to be stretched. We have to know where our, our limits are. And when we know that our limits are growing and growing, then we know that God is working through us. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And just like Jesus, he scorned the shame. He, he disregarded the shame. He dis Do you understand what that means? There are times in life we go through things that we could be falsely accused of. There are times that th people may say things about us. There are times that maybe people don't understand what we're going through. But we've got to keep, instead of reacting, we've got to keep our eyes on the author and the finisher of our faith. Otherwise, we'll get distracted. We've got to keep our eye on our assignment, on our purpose, what we're designed to do. And by doing that, we can only do that by keeping our eyes on the one that gives us our assignment. Because only he knows, like I said last week, he knows what's going to be required of you. He knows what that position requires. So you could be going through something that someone else isn't required to go through. But it's to test you through that moment so you'll be ready when that thing hits. You'll be ready for that position because it's already been completed in you. Hallelujah. So for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He scorned the shame. He didn't allow that shame. He didn't allow the discouragement. He didn't allow that to get him off course. He didn't allow that to be in his, in his mindset. He didn't turn around and look at the shame and say, man, this is really embarrassing right now. Think of it. He walked that road, people spitting, people flogging him, people telling him, prophesy, who hit you now? Who, who are you, king of the Jews? Who, who do you say that you are? Really? You're being hung on a cross. Come down. Get the angels to serve you now being scorned, shamed. He could have, you know, he could have, he could have allowed that temptation to get to him and say, you know what, angels, come get me down. I'm, I'm done. I'm going to show them, I'm going to show them who I am. I'm going to show them I'm the, I'm the king. 
that I came from heaven, that, that God is my father. He could have done that. He could have allowed that moment to weaken him and distract him off his purpose because of what they were shouting. And we all go through those moments, maybe not to that degree, but we all go through moments where there's a challenge or there's something that's screaming at us, calling us something that we're actually not because God's given you a new identity. God has called you a new creation. God has called you a victor. He's called you a conqueror. He's called you beautiful. He's called you with the mind of Christ. He has called you successful. He's called you with an assignment. So you find your identity in him not in what the world says. So don't allow. Sometimes you got to, to you know, just shove that, that thing out that's screaming in your ear. You got to shove that aside and, and look over. Look over what the, the enemy is trying to say because your eyes are set where? On the author and the finisher of your faith. Your eyes are set on the assignment. Your eyes are set on the prize. He looked beyond the cross and saw us. That was his joy. That's why it said he endured the cross with joy because he was looking beyond. That's what we do. We look beyond our situation, bring our eyes up, and look at what we're going towards. Look at what you're going to have. That's what God's telling you to do. Don't look at your situation and say, this is as good as it gets. Well, I must just be defeated. I guess this is who I am. I guess this is just what, what you know, all I'm ever going to do in life. No, you're going through a time that's perfecting you. And then you're going to see the glory of God. You're going to see the goodness of God in your life. You're going to see his, his assignment for you come open, and you're going to receive the joy of those things. Hallelujah. You know, a lot of times it says, uh, it said that he disregarded the, uh, the scorn. And, and we have to realize that that scorn can come in many different faces. It can come as the face of a friend. It can come as the face of a relative. Because believe me, understand. In fact, I was listening to Zane and Hailama's podcast last night. And, and he was saying that, you know, sometimes, like, you go out and, and if somebody yells at you from the street that you don't even know and they call you a name, you know, he said, that's not going to bother me. They don't have any, any reputation with me. It's not like I know them. That's not going to bother me. But it's when someone that's close to you that does it, that's when it hurts. That's when it bothers you the most. That's oftentimes who the enemy tries to use are people that are close to you. I mean, even in here, you take a congregation of people. Everyone in here has the, the greatest intentions. There's not a bad-hearted person in here. But, but understand that someone could say something at some point and not realize it and accidentally offend somebody, right? Those things happen. Do we allow those things to get us off course or do we keep our eyes on what we're supposed to be doing and just shrug that thing off or go talk to that person? Do what we're supposed to do, how the word says that we're supposed to handle it. We don't allow that thing to get us off course, to distract us so that we all of a sudden are sitting over here for three years messing with this one, one idea, this one thing that just tripped us up, and now all of a sudden we can't get over that hump because we got upset or we got offended over that one moment or we didn't operate in love. Instead, of we held the offense and we started looking at ourselves going, man, I guess I just don't, you know, I, they didn't believe in me. They, you know, so-and-so said this one thing and then I started feeling like this and then, and then I just didn't get any further. I mean, the mind can play all kinds of games. It can play all kinds of tricks and the enemy can feed you all kinds of questions about yourself. But if you keep your eyes on who Jesus says you are, and if you keep your eyes on who he is, he's perfecting you, and you're going to come through, and you're going to be victorious, and you're going to complete your assignment. Thank you. So I was thanking God, not you guys. <laughs> Sorry, you got to be in my head sometimes. You know, you got to, like, I'm having a dual conversation sometimes, thanking God, but I'm looking at you. So don't get mad at the vessels. Don't get mad at the faces that it comes through sometimes. 
Think of it this way. When God says that we're all going to be uh, disciplined, that he is a father, in fact, it says it uh, just a few verses later. Let's just go ahead and skip down for a second. Verse 7, it says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So even when we go through discipline, see the problem is a lot of times by the time we hit adulthood, we think that our discipline days are done. And we think, oh, <laughs> I can do what I want. I'm 18. I'm done with that discipline stuff. Nobody needs to discipline me anymore. But the thing is, we should all have the heart of being disciplined. We should all have a heart of humbleness. We should all have a heart where we are receiving correction or being teachable through everything. And you know, there are times that maybe, let me just give you a few examples. There are times that someone could discipline you and maybe they're not your authority. So it comes across as <laughs> who do they think they are to tell me that. They're not my head. They're not my boss. They're not my pastor. They're not my spiritual oversight. They're not my parent. They're not. And, and, and we'll be like, well, why are they disciplining me? Why are they correcting me? Why are they rebuking me? Why are they trying to train me? And the problem is, if we become unteachable, who misses out on the learning experience? That's right. We do. We think, nobody's going to tell me. But the problem is, we're not hurting them. We're hurting ourselves because we just limited our growth. We just limited the finishing part, the perfecting part that Jesus can be try to be teaching us at that moment. So. We'll, we'll, we'll sometimes cop an attitude because maybe that person doesn't have authority over us. Or maybe that person does have authority, but the thing is, we're like, well, I'll take it from God. But the problem is, many times correction comes through a human face by God. You know what I'm saying? When you get that revelation, sometimes it's like, okay, yeah, you know, I realize God's not going to come down to my bedroom and be like, okay, honey, now you need to start doing this. You, need, you really need to work on your patience with your husband. You know, he's not going to just come down and do that. Yes, he can speak to your spirit, but sometimes, sadly, we're human. We ignore it. And then all of a sudden, someone says something from the pulpit. Or maybe a friend says something to us, and we don't want to take that because who's our friend? They don't have authority over my life. But maybe they're pointing out something. You see what I'm saying? And, and, and we won't receive the correction. And what if? What if they said it in a nasty way? Well, you know, you never were one to be patient. You always were a little sassy. We could bite back because maybe they didn't say it very nice. Or one thing I always told my kids, just because someone didn't say something nicely or just because uh, maybe the two of you were bickering, you still need to stop for a second and look at your part. Is what they said, was it true? Because no matter what, the goal is not to bite back at them. The goal is to be the best you you can be. So if you're looking at yourself and saying, okay, is what they said true? No matter how they said it, is it something that can benefit me? Is it something that can make me be better? Is it something that can grow me and make me into a better person? And see, the thing is, a lot of times we don't want to allow that freedom into our lives of someone else telling us that because that means they won. You know what I'm saying? We think, well, th that means they, they just won that. No, they didn't win. You're actually being a humble person by rising above their attitude. Maybe they weren't even having an attitude. Maybe they were being loving and you just got prideful. 
So we have to realize we're hurting ourselves if we if we choose to bite back or choose to get hard-hearted or choose not to operate with a, a graceful heart ourselves. If we keep our eyes on God instead of on the on the face, on the person that's saying something to us or the situation at hand and say, what does God want to bring out of me in this situation? What does he want to bring out of me in this moment for my life? What is he trying to mold in me? What is it that, that he's seeing in me that he, he thinks I'm worthy to be in this position, so he's trying to pull this thing out of me? Because it's really about promotion. Remember last week when I said, you know, that there, there's a test before promotion, because that you can't be tested in something without the squeeze. You can't be tested in something with, without the actual test of feeling the pressure of something because it's the pressure is what's going to show what's on the inside of you and what's going to come out. You can't test somebody for truthfulness if you don't put them in a situation where they have the opportunity to lie. So it, all of these things... Are, are things that, that can either keep us in the same spot or they can promote us. So, he, you know, moving back up to where I was in, in verse 3, it says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It says, Consider him. Consider Jesus who went through the opposition, that went through what he went through. Consider that so you don't lose heart. That I'm not at a point. In fact, move on. It says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Have you yet shed your blood? You know, Dr. Uh, Morocco, I was listening to, to Pastor Daniel Bracken, our KC pastor in Wasilla, Alaska, and he was telling a situation uh, a few years back. And he was giving an example, and he was saying, yeah, I was just going through a hard time, and, and I was facing some opposition in, in Alaska where we were at, and, and some people were just really coming against us, and I called doctor, and I'm talking to doctor, because Dr. Morocco is such a, a father figure. You know, he, he's so kind-hearted, and, you know, he'll listen to his pastors, and, and so he's, but he'll be up front, and he'll, he's straight with you, you know. So Pastor Bracken's telling him, you know, doctor, I'm, I'm just dealing with this, and, man, they're just they're harsh and they're dealing you're saying they're saying this and I'm facing this and and <laughs> doctors like well pastor Bracken have you yet shed blood <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't much cuddling there <laughs> have you yet shed blood and he's like no doctor I haven't shed blood and he's like all right then <laughs> So when we when we think about our situation sometimes it's really not as bad as what we think in comparison to the thing that Jesus went through for us so that we could be redeemed, so that we could be set free, so that our sins could be completely washed away and we could be white as snow, so that we could be free and delivered from all the oppression and all the affliction that the enemy tries to put on us. And we look at our situation and say, you know what? I've had my eyes on the person and on their reaction, on their response, instead of on the author and the finisher of my faith. Because really think about it. Any situation that you're going through, in that moment, when, that, when it just really, oh, that person, oh, they said this, oh, where are you looking? At the person right? You're looking at, at their response. You're looking at how they're treating you. And what is that? That it, it, it's an element of, of self-defense or it's an element of you trying to protect yourself for pride. And I'm not saying don't put, I'm not saying don't or to put yourself in a continual position of being uh, abused or afflicted by someone that maybe isn't a nice person. I'm not saying just, yeah, continue to be around them, continue to, to go around them all the time. In fact, there was a situation one time, Zane was working for somebody that was not nice. This, this guy was not nice. And of course, Zane was young. You know, he was, what, 16, 17 at the time. So he was still very impressionable, you know, from an older person. That's his employer, his boss. And I, I got to a point, I'm like, I don't want you working for this guy because he is a jerk. 
He is not nice. And, and he's, the things he's saying to you is nasty. Like he's, he's not being kind at all. And so anyways, uh, Zane ended up moving on quickly from that, from that position. But at that age, I was like, I don't want you to continue to have to listen to that every day. He, his, the words that's coming out of his mouth are not, they're, they're very condescending. They're, they're put downs. And you don't need to hear that about you every single day. So in, in situations like that, I'm not saying don't protect yourself. I'm not saying just put up with it and continue. If you can move out of a situation, then move out of the situation. Like be in the best situation you can be in. But there are times in life where we have to realize like, Okay, that, that person, it's not like I have to, you know, live with that person or it's not like I'm, I'm dealing with this all the time or, you know, this was a one-time thing or maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I'm easily offended over something that I shouldn't have gotten offended over. Maybe I just need to get my eyes on God and continue to do what I'm doing and shrug that thing off and not allow it to play games in my head because we can allow our minds to also be a playground for the enemy. And if we do that, that becomes a seed in our thoughts and it becomes a, a something that gets planted in our hearts because I'm telling you, there's people that's had seeds planted in their hearts for 20 years that they, it's become a very rooted, unforgiving issue in their life. So he says, keep your eyes on Jesus so you won't grow weary. So you won't grow weary because now when you're focused on the right thing, then you're, you're going to have your focus right. You're not going to get weary. So even, even through that, you know, I was, I was thinking just of, over a couple of just normal everyday examples um, one time, uh, Zane was, when we were, when we first moved to, sorry, I'm using you a lot tonight, Zane, we, but when we moved to, uh, Hawaii, <laughs> Zane, Zane got in a situation because he was so kind-hearted and he, he got along with everybody. And when we moved from here, he had, um, wonderful friends they they were all godly friends they held each other accountable you know they were a wonderful example to each other and then all of a sudden boom he's he's put into a situation where he's like one of the the few white kids uh in the in the city in the town of hana and you know in a small town, guess what? You're not just easily accepted right off the bat. So he goes and he's trying to like take up for this other kid that like knew how to, to take up for himself. But Zane's thinking he's doing the right thing. So he steps in in between, you know, this guy that's picking on him and then this one over here that knows how to take, take care of himself and he's like trying to defend him. And he's, you know, like... You need to quit picking on him. Da, 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 da. Well, next thing you know, Zane's like got a, a black eye punched in the stomach, doubled over. And this kid back here, he's done went halfway across the ballpark. He's done. He's like, all right, thanks. See you later. You know, and, and he's not even in the scene anymore. And Zane's standing there with a, a, a black eye, shocked because this isn't something. He wasn't a street kid, you know? Well, <laughs> the thing is, he had this, the, we, we got home that night, and I walked into his room, and he was, he, I thought he was crying because he, it, was, it hurt his pride, or he was upset, or he, he, it hurt his eye, or hurt his stomach. He was crying for the other kid, and he was so upset because he was like, man, he's like, they, they I mean, they just, they hit me. And that was like their way of life. That's the way of life. And if they would have just done that like that, then, then what are they dealing with at home? How are they being treated at home? What's going on at home? You know, and he's sitting there thinking about the other person's issue. That's nothing but God. He had a, his eyes set on God, thinking about the heart of that kid and what they were having to deal with. Which is not like a, an issue of looking and man, I got hurt and man, they, they should. Uh, next time I see him, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. You know what he did? The next time he saw him, he bought him a what was it? A coke and, a, and some bubble gum or something? Green tea. Green tea. 
Yeah, and so he goes over and, and you know, he didn't stick around long. He's like, here you go. <laughs> but after that, there was not a problem anymore. And, and they were fine from that point on. But it was because he handled it with what? His eyes set on God. So he responded in a way that God would have responded. What's another example? You think of, of uh, tithing is a good example. What happens... What happens if, for instance, the church, uh, you know, spends money on, let's say, playground equipment or something, and, and somebody that's a tither, uh, that, that they get upset because they think, well, the church should have spent money on this instead. And I'm just not giving my money there anymore. The problem is, now all of a sudden, where's your eyes? It, it's not on your covenant with God. It's not on God anymore. See, when, when we give our, our tithe, who are we giving it to? God. We're not, it has nothing to do with the pastor. It has nothing to do with the board. It has nothing to do with the other people in the church. It has everything to do with your covenant between you and God. And once that gets released in your mind and your understanding, there's a freedom. Because it's like, you know, I'm, God, I, I just planted that in your kingdom. This is yours. Hands off. I don't care what they do. Because it's not my problem. It's not my issue. I already received the blessing of God because why? Because I was obedient to God. It has nothing to do what they do with it. The problem is people want to control and they actually can bring themselves to a position where they, where they, they put themselves uh, in a place where they're not going to receive blessing because they're still trying to manipulate and control. And that's what all of this has to do with, is, is releasing yourself from the control, from the anxiety, and from the stress of situations, and being able to walk away and just say, you know what, I can't control that person. I can't determine their life as much. This is, these are things that oftentimes we can stress and worry about, man, if this person would just do this, their life would be so much better. Man, if this person would just listen to me about this, oh, I tried to give them advice and they didn't listen. Quit. Don't worry about it. You live your life. You be responsible for you. You do what God tells you to do and shrug things off for other people. If they want to listen and if they want to come and get advice, they will. But don't get stressed and trying to make everybody's life. I used to be one of those. And that's why I said when I learned this, when I learned to just let go and do my thing and not get stressed about whether or not somebody was doing this or whether they followed this advice or whether or not, you know, I could, I could try to work this out or, you know, like people that are matchmakers on my lands. I've never been a matchmaker don't want to be. That, that just sounds stressful to me because they're trying to take this person and trying to take this person. I think they would be a wonderful couple and you should call on. I'm going to get their number for you and they're over here and, and, and then if it doesn't work out, you know, then they're trying to like make it work and they're trying to like, you know, and it's just like just let people live their life. It's not yours to, you have your life. You've got one to live. Live yours and let other people live theirs and if they mess up and they miss something, that's okay. It's not on you. And when you learn to just release that and not feel like you have to be in control or stressed about things that don't pertain to you. And the problem is they don't pertain to you, but you think that they do. But just realize, like, not everything pertains to you. So are your eyes on someone else? Are your eyes on their response. Are your eyes on, you know, this has so much to do with forgiveness, too. The topic of forgiveness. Well, I'm not going to forgive them until they come to me. I'm not going to forgive them from my heart until they tell me that they're sorry. Until they come and they apologize for what they did. Do you really think that that's going to be enough? Because honestly, if it hurt, this, I'm sorry. If it was a bad cut, that, I'm sorry, probably isn't going to really cover it. Because there are some things that are beyond, I'm sorry. There are some abuses, there are some words that I'm sorry's don't fix. 
So the thing is, whether they say I'm sorry or not, are you willing to forgive? Are you willing to let it go? Are you willing to, to say, I give it to God? Because what does God say? He says, I will avenge, saith the Lord. When we realize that we leave things in God's hands because he's going to deal with it better than what we would ever know how to deal with that person's heart. We think that we know how, how to get at people, don't we? We push buttons and we think, well, this will teach them. And this, you know, I'm going to say this and that'll get them, you know. <laughs> but the problem is we're looking at it from a very carnal mindset. We're looking at it from a mindset of ourself. I want to hurt the way they hurt me. I want to make them understand what I felt. And the problem with that is we're not looking to change their heart. We're not looking to turn them towards Jesus. We're looking for them to feel the way we felt. We got to let God deal with people. No matter what they say about us, no matter what they do, no matter what, you know what I'm saying? There's a, a point in time where we got to take it to God and say, God, I release this person to you. They're in your hands. And I release it and I forgive. I forgive. And there are conversations that we have to have like that for us to be healed. Because until that happens, there will always be, uh, uh, it'll be like a, a, a grater that goes across that heart every time that topic comes up or every time they're around or every time, you know, any kind of tension is created. So we have to be willing to forgive. We have to be willing to keep our eyes on God and say, God, I know you've got to fix that because there is no way what I say or what I do that's going to make them turn towards you because ultimately that should be our goal is to turn people towards God. And sometimes that means hands off on your, on your part. You may never get the apology that you wanted. You may never get the, the compassion that you wanted from them. You may never get the love that you desired from them. Honestly, because there are some situations that's beyond that point. There are some people in our life that have done passed away. And they, they, they can't do anything about that now. But you're still dealing with the hurt of it. So we have to be in a position to where we realize that learning through that, releasing that, giving it to God, allowing him to heal us is the only thing that's going to grow us and mature us so that we are not lacking anything. Eyes off the person onto Jesus Christ. Eyes on Jesus. He's the only one that knows how to heal you. No one can heal an inner hurt like Jesus can. No one. No one person. There will never be enough that they can, that they can do. Even just thinking about some of these things, you know, the, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all these things. These take faith. Do you know why they take faith? Because when we exercise all of these things, when we exercise the fruits of the Spirit, take, for instance, patience or peace. You can only hold your peace if you know what it... I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me, Jesus, God, right? If their mind is stayed on him. Well, the only way we can have peace in our life is if we know and trust and believe that God is going to intervene in our situation and it's all going to be okay. That's the only way we can have peace. That's the whole thing that, that this has to do with. Otherwise, we're trying to get in there and we're trying to make this work and we're trying to say this and we're trying to throw this in there and we're trying to finagle the whole situation so it works out in our favor. And the thing is, that's the reason why we're so not peaceful and not joyful because we're trying to make it work instead of trusting God. The only, and that takes what? Faith. So the, the patience, the gentleness, the, the, even the kindness in that situation, what did that take? That took faith. That took faith that, that God's got to work on, on that family. That took faith. That, man, I have such a compassion and a heart for them because I know what Jesus does for me. I know the love he has given to me. I want this person to experience it too. 
So God, and he prayed that night for that kid. That's what we did. We prayed for him. You know, even as adults, that's still what we do. We still pray for people. Even when they hurt us, we pray for people. And we will, in our family, we do not allow the hurt to stay. What I mean by that is we don't, we don't cater to that. We don't cater to the, to the, well, let's just nurse that grudge. Let's just talk about them. Let's just, yeah, you know what else they did. And yeah, you know, can you believe that? And oh, I'm going to, no. You release it and we pray. I mean, our, our, our staff, our, our team, they've heard us time and time before because they've been with us through things. When people have said things, when they've talked about us, when they've talked about them, when people have left, when they've gotten mad, when th things have happened, whatever it is, what have we always said? We pray for them. We pray for them. And there's been times we've gathered. Come on, guys, let's pray for them. Let's pray for their heart. Let's pray that they'll respond to God. Let's pray that they will that, that there's a breakthrough with them. That they will come to God and know God. Because ultimately there's nothing that I can do or say that's ever going to be enough. Because if they're upset with me anyway, then it's only going to be one more thing later on that they're going to be upset with. Even if even if, you know, it's this now, it's going to be something else later until God heals the heart. It's ultimately a heart issue. And I can't fix that. That's got to be God. So you pray. That's why the Bible says pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. And you do what? You do good to them. It says because that's like, it, that's where it says to uh, where, where God says that he will avenge. He said what you do is you do good. I'll take care of dealing with them. You do good. And then you know what that's like? That's like... Uh, heaping burning coals on their head what are they going to do with your good like honestly so they they either got to to warm up to you or it's going to aggravate them if their heart is so hard that it's either going to aggravate them more or they're going to eventually warm up to you and be like man how can i stay mad at that <laughs> how can i stay mad at someone that just keeps doing good to me not good in general, good to me. They're doing good to me. How can I continue to be mad at that? So that's why God says, you just, you just keep focusing on being good. I'll work on their heart. I'll do things in the supernatural. I'll, do, you know, I'll take care of the things you don't see. I got to deal with the inner man. You just keep doing good. And when you learn to release that control to God, then you walk in a different level of peace and a different level of joy. Turn over to, to Romans. Are you still with me? Let's finish up with Romans 14. Man, I'd like to go through this whole chapter. There's a lot of good stuff in Romans 14. Let me read just through a few, a few parts of it. 14.1, it says, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. What he's saying is, don't judge other people, even if their faith is weak, because he's talking to uh, other Christians. This is not the world, okay? Here's how you deal with the world. Get this. When, when you understand that the world does not use the word of God as their full authority, and they do not use the Bible as their compass, how can you expect them to operate like a Christian? That's not their value. They don't have that standard. So when you can understand that, then it's more of a I feel sorry for them than it is a I get mad at them over stuff. 
You understand? Like you, you're looking at them going, yeah, they don't have the word of God. That, they don't have that as a piece. They don't have that as a standard. They don't have that as, as something that, that they try to live up to. That's, they don't have that guide or that compass. So that's not even something. If they cuss me out, it's because they've probably been through some hard things in life. They've probably been uh, through some difficult things, and that's probably what's been done to them, and that's how they know how to respond. But they don't have, uh, they've not experienced the love of God. And when you realize that, then you can look at that and be like, I, I feel sorry. I feel more sorry than I do mad, and I'm not going to take it personal because it's really not me that they're upset with. They're upset because of a lot of other junk that's happened in their life that's kind of just led into this. So when you realize that's not their standard, you can overlook a lot of things and not have such a high expectation. But when it's talking about brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ, he's saying don't get upset and dispute on matters that do not matter. Don't get <laughs> food. That's what, that's the actual, the, actually the scripture I was getting ready to go to was, was 14, 17, where it says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eat or drink, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So it's not a matter of disputing over eat and drink. Well, you know, that, that meat right there, that you shouldn't be eating that because that was, that was sacrificed to God's. So therefore, you're, you're sinning majorly by doing that because that's what's going on in the scriptures there. Because they realize, some people realize that through the freedom of Jesus Christ, they didn't have to live under the law anymore. So they were able to eat. They could bless the food. Thank God for the food. It's sanctified. It's, it's blessed according to our prayers. We receive it with thanksgiving. And, and they were free consciously. They didn't have a, a conviction around that. But this guy over here hasn't had that revelation yet. So this guy over here, he's eating or he's not eating it. And he's looking at you going, you shouldn't be eating that. The law says. The law says, but the problem is now this guy's mad and said, no, don't you understand that, that we're set free from that now because of Jesus Christ? And so he's trying to explain to him, but the thing is, if this guy is set in his conviction on it, then what the word of God says is it's actually a sin for him to eat it. If you read through the rest of the chapter, it's a sin for him to eat it if he still has a conviction. So he's saying, rather than making it a stumbling block, just don't eat it in front of him. Don't make it an issue. Protect your brother or sister in Christ. What are you doing? You're, you're shoving your stuff aside to actually love him. You put your freedom aside knowing that you're okay if you eat it because you're not under the law. That you know that it's redeemed by Jesus Christ. So you're okay, and you don't have a conviction around it, but this guy still has a conviction. So it's actually a sin, it says, for him to go against his conviction. Think about it. There are some things that if we have a conviction about, how does that conviction eat away when we do something wrong? It really bothers us, right? So you're, you're actually bringing someone into that conviction and then because they don't have the revelation. They don't have the truth yet. So up here, there, there is no freedom from that. So they're walking in a conviction that, that you just helped them go into because you pressured them at that point. So he's saying rather than making it an issue, just you shove it aside for today. Don't try to sit there and argue your point. Don't make it a, a, an issue. You know, we've probably all been in, in conversations where we argue over something out of the word of God. You know, I mean, even just singing that song tonight, I was imagining in my head somebody probably, you know, like uh, that would be that would be prime opportunity right there for a religious person. A O A O A O. Well, what does that mean? Well, that's not that doesn't give glory to God. You know what I'm saying? And they make an issue over that. Well, what's that? Well, what's that? What's that supposed to mean? Was well, that beneficial? You know what I'm saying? If it's coming from the heart, what do you think God's happy with? Do you think he's happy with, with the fact that, that you're sitting there dissecting the thing? Or do you think he's happy with the, the hallelujah that comes from the heart of the person and the love and the compassion that, that, that people are, are honoring God with? And they're saying, God, we love you so much. Hallelujah. I don't care how it comes out of my mouth. It may came, come out as a A-O-A-R. 
or it may come out as a ha 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 or it may come out it, it doesn't matter if it's for god and you're you're giving it to him it's between you and him has nothing to do with somebody else. And that's when it becomes religious because now somebody else is trying to control you or they're trying to control someone else and they're sitting there instead of what? Their eyes are not on God. Where are they at? They're on you. So what are they doing? They're not pressing in. They're not, they're not giving nothing to God. Why? Because they're sitting there watching you going, A-O-A-O-A. Well, what's that mean? I saw. I saw Angela doing that. And it doesn't, she's, she's in bondage. Uh, she's, she's doing that thing. That's just, that's wrong. No. <laughs> that's why when we come in, we focus on God. That's our goal. That's why freedom. In, in God, there's freedom. In God, there's liberty. In God, that we can express ourselves. It's not about judgment. That's what he's saying there. We walk in love, not judgment. Because what's he say? He said, you, you are not my servant. You are not my servant. You're God's servant, not my servant. You're God's servant, not my servant. You understand? I'm not, I'm not to judge. Now, understand, I can be a pastor, yes, and I can pastor the, the flock, and I can have conversations and say, hey, I'm worried about you. I'm, I'm noticing these things going on in your life. Well, when you put yourself into the, the care of a shepherd, you're putting yourself there. You're putting yourself there to be shepherded. Understand that. But I'm not going to go somewhere else and shepherd someone else's flock. I'm not going to go to some other church and say, you know what? I think you got a problem, and I think, and I want to counsel you. And no, that's not my sheep. Like, understand authority. Understand people that are in your life to help you that have that are allowed to speak into you. Not everybody's allowed, but like I said, is there something of truth that they said? I'm giving you a lot tonight. <laughs> You just have to use, use like common sense and keep your eyes on God. Someone could say something. It could be true, even though they may not have a right to speak into your life. But, but was it true? Should I fix that? Not for them, but for me. Should I fix that? Because maybe it honors my brother. And, and, and I'm loving them by doing this. What does God want me to do here? Am I staying humble enough to, to really be honest about that? Or am I being prideful and nobody's going to tell me? These, these are the heart issues that we all have to deal with, every single one of us. There can hardly, unless we stay shut up in our, in our homes, like we all have been, hallelujah, thanks to the government. <laughs> We're... We're all let out of our cages, out to, the, out to the pastor now, you know. But it, we have opportunity almost every day, probably, for, for there to be things that happen to get upset over or to, for something to rub us the wrong way. But those are opportunities. Understand that it's not about that person controlling you. It's about you choosing yourself who you want to be. You choosing yourself how far you want to let God mold you. It's not about, well, I'm changing because they, they made a comment to me or because, you know, they're expecting this of me. They're, you do it out of love, your love for God first. And sometimes, yes, it does come down to, I'm doing it out of my love for my brother or sister in Christ because it's best for the whole congregation or it's best for our relationship or it's best uh, all the way around rather than me trying to make my point or me uh, being the one getting to do this or me uh, being, being the one that they have to come and say they're sorry to, whatever it is. Are these things making sense? Okay. Okay. Because this was more of a, uh, a teaching on, on just really walking in true p peace, walking in true joy, walking in true righteousness. Just like it says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. When we walk in righteousness, we are walking in right standing with God. 
We're doing it because we want to be in right standing with him. And it brings us peace and it brings us joy when we can just walk through life and realize and know, like, I don't have to control that. I don't have to manipulate that. I don't have to, I don't have to try to m maneuver or, or make this work. I'm going to trust God. And he is the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the perfecter of my faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Let's, let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the freedom that you give us. Because it's by freedom, it's for freedom that you set us free. You, just for the simple fact that you want us to be, be free because of your love for us, because you don't want us in, in chains of bondage, of, of, of being unpeaceful or being broken or being uh, just trying to, to manipulate or using the, the enemy's tactics to try to get our way with things. But, Father, you, you've called us to walk in peace and joy and righteousness. And, Lord, we determine today that that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to be. We are choosing, Father, to be the best that we can be for you and as well for us because you are the author of the very seed of faith that's planted on the inside of us and we desire for that to come to full completion so that in the end we will hear well done that good and faithful servant enter into the kingdom of God so father that is our desire our desire is to hear you being pleased with us for us for our eyes to be set on you at all times in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.